This is the One Year Bible Tour Guide. My name is David McAdam. I serve as pastor at New Life Community Church. And my prayer is that I would be an encouragement to you as you read through the Bible this year. We're using the One Year Bible with the ESV translation. And we're going to be reading today, January 3rd, Genesis chapters 5, verse 1, through chapter 7, verse 24. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 3, verses 7, through chapter 4, verse 11. And then Psalm 3, verses 1 to 8. And Proverbs chapter 1, verses 10 to 19. So let's start with our reading from the Old Testament, Genesis chapters 5 through 7. Adam's Descendants to Noah This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he created him in the likeness of God. Male and female he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived a 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahalalel. Kenan lived after he fathered Mahalalel 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. Mahalalel lived after he fathered Jared 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years, and he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief or rest from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. After Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Chapter 6 When man began to multiply on the face of the land, 
and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man for ever, for he is flesh. His days shall be a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. And its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark, and finish it to a cubit above, and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with the lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark, and keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing on the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come into you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten, and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Chapter 7 Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also, male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, forty days and forty nights, and every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Noah was six hundred years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Of clean animals and of animals that are not clean and of birds and of everything that creeps on the ground, two and two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah as God had commanded Noah. 
and after seven days the waters of the flood came upon the earth. In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the seventeenth day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened, and rain fell upon the earth forty days and forty nights. On the very same day Noah and his sons, Shem and Ham and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark, they and every beast, according to its kind, and all the livestock according to their kind, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two, of all flesh in which there was the breath of life. And those that entered, male and female, of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. The flood continued forty days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them fifteen cubits deep, and all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth, and all mankind. Everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things, and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left, and those who were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed on the earth one hundred and fifty days. So I guess we can say, as with the flood of Noah, we've covered a lot of ground in these three chapters. We notice that God created man. He made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female. He blessed them and named them man, literally Adam, in the day that they were created. In Genesis 5, verse 1. And then we see how Adam's progeny were made in the likeness of Adam, rather than specifically the image of God. We discover that after the fall, the woman is named Eve, the mother of all living. Prior to the fall, the first couple shared the same name and purpose, and they centered their life in the fellowship of their maker. After the fall, that oneness shattered. In Genesis 5, verse 3, we read, When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, according to his image, and named him Seth. As we learned yesterday, Seth means substitute or the appointed one. Adam's children were born in the likeness of fallen man. Yesterday we read the sad story of Cain and Abel. Today we see that God appoints a substitute for the hereditary line of Abel. It will be through the line of Seth that the Messiah will come forth. Genesis 5 lists the human genealogy from Adam with the length of years lived and the fact of their death. In this chapter, we see the repeated phrase, and he died. Here we have God's judgment upon sin. The wages of sin is death, in Romans 6.23. Some have pointed out that the meaning of the names listed in this genealogy, when put together, gives us a sentence expressing the hope of the gospel. The name Adam means man. The name Seth means appointed. The name Enoch means mortal. The name Canaan means sorrow. The name Mahalalel 
means the blessed God. The name Jared means shall come down. The name Enoch means teaching. And the name Methuselah means that his death shall bring. The name Lamech means the despairing. And the name Noah means rest. And you put it together and you have this sentence, Man is appointed mortal sorrow. But the blessed God shall come down, teaching that his death shall bring the despairing rest or comfort. And we read in Matthew 11:28, Jesus saying, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In Genesis chapter 6, we're introduced to Noah. And remember, his name means rest. Mankind, in going astray, is flesh. We read this in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. The use of the word flesh in this instance is similar to the way that the Apostle Paul uses it to describe the fallen nature of man. Flesh refers to the inward bent of mankind's inherited corrupt disposition. The sin nature has an intrinsic bias towards selfishness. It expresses rebellion and indifference towards God and a demonstrable independence from Him. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned into his own way. Isaiah 53 verse 6 There is widespread corruption on the earth. In Genesis 6 verse 5 we read, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And Jesus certainly believed that Genesis 6 was historically accurate. We read in Luke chapter 17, verses 26 to 27, Jesus saying, quote, And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. The ark of Noah is a picture of God's plan of salvation in Christ. Noah was saved because he believed God's message. In Hebrews 11, verse 7, the ark, like the plan of salvation in the Christ event, that is the incarnation, sinless living, and substitutionary dying of Jesus to fulfill the law, is planned by God. Noah had no part in the planning. God ordained that the ark would be the means of salvation from his righteous, wrathful judgment against sin. God was judging the old creation with the flood. Those who entered the ark, that is, entered the plan of salvation by faith, would be saved from God's wrath. They were saved, not because of their own goodness, but because of God's merciful design to bring a Savior, the ark of salvation, for those who believe. As with the story of man's fall in Genesis 3, no sooner had God announced his judgment against sin, he also announced his provision of escape from judgment. In every case, that provision speaks of Jesus. In Genesis 6:14, the Lord said, So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. The ark is made of wood. Wood speaks of humanity. Cypress wood is known for its resistance to corruption. The wood represents the sinless, incorruptible humanity of Jesus that qualifies him to be our Savior. The wood is covered with pitch. The Hebrew word for pitch is kofar, meaning covering. 
the common Hebrew word kofar relates to the atonement or ransom. We learn as we read the Bible, the blood would provide atonement for our souls. The blood represents life in Leviticus 17.11. The life of a sinless substitute for sinners would be offered on the altar of Calvary's cross to provide a perfect atonement for mankind's sin. So we see the protection and the covering that the atoning blood of Jesus will provide for our salvation. There are three sections to the ark, just as there are three sections to the tabernacle, which is another picture of the plan of salvation in the Old Testament. So we can see that the ark is a type, a representation, a placeholder for Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Jesus is the greater ark of Noah. God's plan of salvation is found in him. There are many wonderful parallels to the plan of salvation seen in the ark of Noah. It is the plan of salvation that we can enter into salvation through faith in Christ. Just as there is one door into the ark, so there is one way to be saved. Now reading from the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 3, beginning with verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove coming down to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Chapter 4 then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, 
and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 7 and following, we read of Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist. Jesus comes to John the Baptist to be baptized. At first, John refuses, as he has been preaching a baptism of repentance, and Jesus was without sin. He was the spotless Lamb of God, and therefore no repentance was required of him. John recognized immediately that it was he, John, who was the sinner who needed to be baptized by Jesus, and not Jesus by him. Yet, Jesus was to fulfill righteousness. He was going to identify with fallen man, and he was going to undo the curse by fulfilling the law where Adam had been disobedient, now Jesus would be obedient. The river Jordan is a type of the life of the natural man. Although its source is in the highest heights of Mount Hermon, it follows a circuitous route of 200 miles, as if it was trying to avoid its end, which is the Dead Sea. Death is the natural end of man. Jesus was willing to identify with that fact and become man. As the God-man, he would be obedient unto death, even death on the cross. He became the sacrificial Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is how John the Baptist announced him in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 29. Jesus' baptism speaks of his voluntary plunge into identification with man. In the Incarnation, he, the eternal Son of God, becomes man, as he is God made man to be without sin, and fully alive to God the Father through the Holy Spirit. All that he does now, he does on our behalf. He fulfills the righteous requirements of the law through his perfect obedience to God the Father. All that he does, he does as our representative. He is led by the Spirit to rewrite our history in the first Adam. Where Adam did wrong, he would do right. Like the first Adam, he was put into a position of being tempted by Satan, where the first man gave way to temptation, Jesus resisted temptation through full devotion to his Father's will revealed through his word. Where the first Adam failed through disobedience, Jesus, as the last Adam, succeeded. He would be obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. When Jesus emerges from the Jordan, he becomes the resting place for the Holy Spirit who descends upon him in the form of the dove. It is noteworthy that According to the scriptural record of Noah's flood, a dove, the bird that brought Noah the promise of a new beginning and a new life, is not pictured again in the biblical narrative until this moment. The dove found no resting place since the old creation in Adam was judged. Jesus is the promised land upon which the dove can rest. Jesus is the second man, the federal head of the new creation. He's the one who gives us a new beginning. Our history as a new creation is being written in Him. God's plan of salvation is found in Jesus. Jesus is our ark. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18-22, to 22, Having heard and believed the message of truth, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, we are baptized into Christ, in Romans 6, 3, and brought into newness of life. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. So we see again in this temptation how Jesus was rewriting our sad history in Adam now with a new history 
in Christ. You remember the woman, whose name at that time was also Adam, was tempted in the garden to live autonomously and to break fellowship with God through disobedience at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil through the lust of the flesh. She saw that the fruit was good for food, the lust of the eyes. The fruit was a delight to the eyes and the pride of life. It was desirable to make her wise. We see in 1 John 2.16 about the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness in the same areas, the lust of the flesh. That was to make the stones bread, to break fellowship with the Father, to satisfy his hunger independently from the Father's provision. The lust of the eyes. Luke has this as the second temptation, Matthew the third, to behold the glory of the kingdoms of this world. And then the pride of life. Prove who you are by casting yourself down from the pinnacle of the temple and commanding angels to save you. As Jesus resisted the temptation to worldliness and sin by hiding the word of God in his heart, let us do the same. Jesus answered the tempter, saying, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In Matthew 4.4 4. And now a reading from Psalm 3. O Lord, how many are my foes! Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, There is no salvation for him in God. Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Selah. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Selah. Psalm 3 contains the first reference in the book of Psalms to actually being a psalm, more specifically, a psalm of David. It contains a prayer attributed to the time when David fled from his betraying son, Absalom, who was usurping his authority and leading a rebellion against him. We can learn how to commit our difficult situations to the Lord from David's example. Is your confidence in the Lord? He is the one who brings your salvation. He is our shield, our glory, the lifter of our head, our sustainer, the one who answers our prayers. He's the author and the finisher of our salvation. A reading from the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, verses 10 to 19. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, Come with us, let us lie and wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without cause, let us swallow them alive like Sheol, even whole as those who go down to the pit. We will find all kinds of precious wealth, we will fill our houses with spoil. Throw in your lot with us. We shall all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they hasten to shed blood. Indeed, it is useless to spread the baited net in the sight of any bird. But they lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who gains by violence. It takes away the life of its possessors. 
So here we have the parental concern for a generation that is given to peer pressure. And you hear the heart cry to beware, to not give in to the lies that are so seductive. This is the importance of resisting peer pressure to abandon our disposition of trust and obedience in relationship to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we have learned in our readings today of the judgment that is due our sin and our need to be rescued. We thank you for Jesus, who is the ark of our salvation. We thank you that through his atoning blood, we can be finding refuge from the penalty that our sins deserve, and we can find rest by coming to him. And we thank you, too, for the good news that we are new creations in Christ, that we belong to the one who is head of this new creation. We are members of his body. We thank you that you, the Lord, maker of heaven and earth, that you're also a merciful God. And we thank you for your plan of salvation. We thank you that you made Jesus to be our Seth, our appointed substitute, the ark of our refuge, delivering us from the wrath to come. We thank you for Jesus' example, how he resisted temptation, and how he rewrote our history of disobedience with a new history of perfect obedience and how he merited for us the reconciliation with you, our holy God. And we thank you that he now is our refuge and the glory and the lifter of our heads. Continue to open up our eyes to show us wonderful things out of your word and to teach us to say no to ungodliness and walk in the ways of righteousness. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the One Year Bible Reading Tour. Our goal is to get you reading consistently, thoughtfully, prayerfully. Each year that I read through the Bible, I like to plow a little deeper, linger a little longer, and appreciate more fully the scope of God's wisdom and the history of redemption. We want you to feel welcome to contact us with your comments, questions, prayer requests, and you can do so by sending an email to podcast at newlife.org. That address is podcast at newlife.org. And we want to remind you that many benefit from getting a daily email with a written copy of the commentary of each day's Bible readings with illustrations, maps, and charts. You can subscribe at our website, newlife.org. Again, all our resources are offered freely without charge. I do hope that you can join us on tomorrow's excursion as we continue to read through the Bible. And until that time, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Shalom. Peace be with you.